on, true crime fans. I'm your host, Heath. And I'm your host, Daphne. And you're listening to Going West. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in today. We have been following this story so closely the past week, and the developments just keep getting more and more unsettling. This has also been recommended to us by so many of you over the past few days, like way too many to even name. So thank you so much, everybody. And since we do not yet know for sure what happened to Anna, we will be talking about her in the present tense. And of course, our hearts really go out to her sons and her family during this unimaginable time. But it's really important to share this story because they're looking for answers right now. And what they do have is insane. So thank you in advance for sharing. All right, guys. Well, this is episode 270 of Going West. So let's get into it. The husband of a missing mother of three searched online about how to dispose of a 115-pound woman's body. Goodness. Well, that's just one of the disturbing new revelations about the disappearance of Ann Walsh. You can see a picture of her there. Her husband, Brian Walsh, he has now been charged with misleading authorities. We're also learning that authorities were searching two uh, locations last night. He's on surveillance at that time purchasing about $450 worth of cleaning supplies. That would include mops, bucket, tops, um, TVEX, uh, drop cloths, uh, as well as various kinds of tape. Blood was found in the basement area, as well as a knife, which also contained some blood. During the time frame when he didn't report his wife and gave various statements, that allowed him time to either clean up evidence Her disappearance has rocked the tiny seaside town the family called home and captured the attention of the world. What started as a missing persons case is turning into something potentially much more sinister. And at the center of the mystery is Anna's husband, Brian Walsh. Anna Lubachich was born on April 13th, 1981, apparently 1981, but according to what her age is online, which is 39, she was probably actually born in 1983, but this is not clear yet. But we know that she was born in Belgrade, Serbia. Her mother's name is Malanka. Her father has sadly passed, and she has a sister whose name is Alex, and she lives in Ontario, Canada. Anna attended the University of Belgrade right there in her beautiful large home city in Serbia. And then in 2009, she attended Cornell University, which is an Ivy League school located in Ithaca, New York. And she was there to study hospitality management. But by the time that she was attending Cornell, she was already working in hospitality and had made her move to the United States, starting out as a housekeeping attendant at an inn in Virginia in 2005. 
And in 2008, when Anna was 25 years old, she met her to-be husband, Brian Walsh, while she was living in the Berkshires, working as the reservations manager for the Wheatley Hotel. And for those who don't know, the Berkshires are located in Massachusetts. It's an incredibly picturesque place. It's a very popular vacation spot, has a ton of outdoor activities, and it has insanely beautiful fall foliage. And the hotel that she worked at is a historic five-star hotel that style is inspired by Italian mansions, located about two and a half hours from Boston. Over the next seven years, Anna and Brian developed a relationship, living in a beautiful seaside suburb of Boston together and just building their life. Until 2015, when they married in Anna's home country of Serbia, and she became Anna Walsh. And she and Brian would have three sons together who are currently two, four, and six years old. Anna continued to work at hotels in Washington, D.C., and then in Boston until 2020, when she made a career change and began working in real estate. Then, in February of 2022, so almost a year ago from when this episode comes out, she began working as a regional manager for Tishman Spire, which is an American real estate company. So her real estate career has been in full swing. Now, because she works in Washington, D.C., she has a condo there that she could stay at because her actual family home that she shares with her husband, Brian, is located in Cohasset, Massachusetts, which is about an eight-hour drive away. So obviously, this is quite far to be a normal commute, so it's known that she would spend a good amount of time in both places. But when she was in D.C., she kept in contact with her husband and her kids every single day. But according to Anna's best friend, Alyssa, Anna was interested in moving permanently to Washington, D.C. and moving her kids down there in early 2023, so within the next couple of months. Cohasset is basically like an affluent seaside town of around 9,000 people just an hour from Boston. So Anna could fly to and from D.C. and Boston in an hour and 45 minutes, which she often did. Many people describe her as like ambitious, well-educated, and a very loving mother. And her friend Alyssa added to that saying, quote, she's personable, passionate, fun, joyful. She's someone who you want to get to know. She's so interested in everyone and everything. Just a really beautiful, wonderful, passionate, joyful woman. Brian, on the other hand, has some knocks against him. Piece of shit. Yeah. Sorry, that, that may be a little too early for the piece of shit, but I, uh, well, I just, you know, had I, to throw it in there right now. I think they'll agree coming up. You know, you're, you're, not, you're not wrong here. Right. So we are going to get into him and his past a little bit before getting into today's case because it's definitely important backstory. So not much is known about his life in general quite yet, but what we do know is he's an only child of Diana and Thomas Walsh III. His dad was a physician, and Brian had a very privileged upbringing. But in 2012, Brian Walsh stole two Andy Warhol paintings from his friend and sold them. So this friend lived in South Korea, and Brian told him that he would take the paintings to the U.S. and, you know, sell them for him. 
But when Brian arrived back to the U.S., he stopped answering this friend's phone calls completely. And then years passed. You know, obviously this friend is so upset. He had said something along the lines of how he would be so pissed if he didn't make money off of these paintings. Well, yeah. I mean, they're original Andy Warhols. Like, what? Yeah. And, like, Brian took them to sell them. So, obviously, this friend would never have let him do that if he didn't think that's what was going to happen. Exactly. But that's not what happened. So... Brian, basically, years later in 2016, he was able to sell the pair of paintings to someone in California for $100,000. And the buyer owns a Warhol gallery in LA, and this is why they wanted these paintings. But to avoid eBay fees, this is so weird to me, Brian offered a deal to sell off eBay for $80,000 instead, and the buyer agreed. This is kind of the first red flag Maybe the first red flag is that he's selling them for that price. But the second red flag is that he's saying, oh, you know, let's get off eBay because eBay has these guarantees and all this kind of stuff. But especially I can't imagine that the eBay fees would be more than $20,000. I mean, that seems like a lot of money in fees. Yeah, it kind of seems like the reason why he's doing this is because he doesn't want those paintings to be traced in any way. Oh, no, he definitely does. But that's what I mean is this is like really sketchy, you know? Yeah. Obviously, this is coming off really weird, but the buyer, uh, you know, fully, basically the the painting had like a uh, painting number and there's ways to kind of authenticate it. And this buyer who has bought many Warhol paintings over the years felt that the information that was given in the listing made it feel like it was legit. But that little stamp of um, authentication. Stamp of approval, authentication, yeah. yeah that was hidden by the frame. So they're kind of like, oh, okay, you know, we'll go, we'll check them out. Everything's going to be fine. This seems legit. It just didn't seem like anything was weird. Anyway, sorry, I'm rambling now. But this is what the ad said before it went off eBay. We overpaid terribly in 2007 for the art. Price paid $240,000. We are trying to sell on eBay because it is much cheaper and because Christie's won't be able to auction our pieces until May 2017. So that's what I mean is you're saying you paid 240 grand for these less than 10 years ago and now you're trying to sell them for 80? Like what? No. Yeah, no. So He's lying here because he did not buy these paintings. We know at least that at this point. However, once the deal went through and Brian cashed the check, the buyer looked at the art and removed the the frames and realized that there was no authentication stamps from the Warhol Foundation because they were fakes. So the buyer then tried to contact Brian by phone nearly 20 times after this, but they were consistently ignored. So wait, so the friend that was living in South Korea had fake Warhol paintings? No, no, no. So I'm going to get into that. This part, Uh, this is honestly very confusing. I had to read so many articles to kind of clear this up, but it still feels a little wishy-washy. Basic, I'll just tell you right now. (laughs) Basically, um, he was, he was selling the real ones, not to this buyer. Oh. Um, but then he also had essentially made fake ones to sell as if they were real to try to like double his money and by the way not give a dime to the friend that he took them from oh god okay yeah yeah. so he is a pos yeah but obviously this didn't come without consequences as we'll get into in a second but eventually the buyer was able to find anna through brian and contact her and say hey what the hell is your husband doing and then because of this she contacted brian and said 
you need to deal with this. I said in so many words. I don't. That's, I'm right. making that up. You're making me look bad. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, being pro- a douche. or probably just like, what the hell? Figure this out. Yeah. Anyway, he paid back thirty thousand dollars of the eighty thousand dollars and made various excuses of why he could not return the full amount. So. Anna was probably horrified when she learned about this because he's trying to scam people. Yeah. And like, imagine if you're, you know, in a relationship with a person and then you find out that they're like a fraud or they're writing bad checks or or selling fake art. Like you'd be like, uh, what? Like, I don't even know you. Yeah. Bizarre. So carry on with the, the legalities. So the gallery eventually sued Brian for this matter in 2018, and in 2021, Brian pleaded to one count each of wire fraud, interstate transportation to defraud, and possession of converted goods and unlawful monetary transaction. But he's still apparently awaiting sentencing on these charges. Though it seems that he was on some sort of house arrest and possibly probation, but we're not sure exact the exact limitations of this. Because obviously he was allowed to leave the house. Yeah, this is a still, this is an active thing. So many um, articles about this case will say, oh, Anna went missing and her husband's on house arrest. So it seems like he is still on probation and some sort of house arrest. But uh, again, the limitations of that, we're not sure. And by the way, for the art fraud case, Anna's mom actually wrote a letter to the judge in May of 2022. And this is what it said. My name is Malanka Lubicic, and I am Anna's mother and Brian's mother-in-law. I live in Belgrade, Serbia. I'm writing to thank you for giving my son-in-law, Brian, mercy since last October. On December 21st, 2021, Brian found me experiencing what he thought was a stroke. He immediately got my daughter and called emergency services. I can safely say that without his presence, I would have not survived. He further continued to take care of me during my recovery at the house. He's making my diabetic meals daily. He was taking me to the, uh, to the doctor's appointments, etc. Now, almost six months later, I am making a full recovery in my country home in Serbia, and I look forward to seeing Brian, Anna, and my grandchildren again upon my return in November. Brian is a kind and loving man who always puts me at ease. He is there for me even when he's having a tough day. He always says that I'll get to see all of my grandchildren graduate from universities. Anytime I thank Brian for saving my life, he is quick to give credit to all those who are a part of my recovery. The doctors, my daughters, and you, Judge Woodlock. He made it clear that he was able to help me because of your mercy, and that he was able to take me to doctor's appointments because you allowed it. The first responders who came to the house all knew Brian. They knew him from visits to the Cohasset Fire Station during the annual 9-11 service acknowledgement campaign, and this made me very proud of my son-in-law. I wish to thank you for my life and for a chance that you gave to my grandchildren to get to know me, as they had already lost both their grandfathers. Thank you also for giving Brian a chance to live a life worth living. Sincerely, Malanka. And here is what Anna wrote about Brian during this ordeal. Quote, He was taught to lie and hide. He was told that he was a loser, that his parents should have not had him, that he had no chances of making anything of himself in life, and that he was a lost cause. A deep sense of shame governed his life. She then went on to say that he had a big heart 
and was the love of her life. And us bringing these two things up, this is obviously directly about this art fraud case. I don't know how much of this is true on either of their parts. We're not trying to use their words against him for the present situation, sure. but it is just important to bring up everybody's accounts of him in the past and in the present. Yeah, and it's very interesting that Anna says that, you know, he was taught to lie. Very to interesting. Hide. It's an interesting comment. Because that is ever present in this entire episode, as you guys will continue to see. So Brian's mother, Diana, also wrote on Brian's behalf, stating, quote, My son is the only reason I get up in the morning. He is the only person to take care of me, and he, was al- and he is always there for me. He is the main caregiver for all three of his sons. He cooks, shops, cleans, plays, communicates boundaries, and reads bedtime stories. However, Brian and his father were not close at all because Brian allegedly destroyed his father's will and stole almost $1 million from his father. So a close family friend who decided to remain anonymous told CBS News, quote, Brian was not like other young people. He was always dressed in Armani and penny loafers when he was like 13. I never saw him in dungarees. He just wanted the finest things in life. This is a kid who never gave his father an ounce of teenage angst. He didn't smoke. He didn't drink. He didn't do drugs. He was very close and very respectful to his father. He was charming. And when he did this, when he stole the million dollars, allegedly, it like stabbed his dad in the heart. He was not trustworthy. He did something that was shameful and horrible to someone he cared about. So after Brian had allegedly or allegedly stolen money from his dad, they didn't speak for 10 years. And then Brian's father, Thomas, died in 2018, and he had cut Brian out of the will for what he had done to him. I mean, that makes sense. I agree. Tried to screw me over, I'm screwing you over. Absolutely. I mean, and they didn't talk. Like, why should I give you a dime? So Brian actually destroyed the will, allegedly, and appointed himself the personal rep of the estate, liquidating over $100,000 from bank accounts in his father's name. So... The alleged stealing of $1 million from his father happened before the art fraud case, and then the changing of his father's will and taking over $100,000 was after. So clearly, very much money hungry, like for years. Yeah, well, things get a whole lot worse. Because back in 2014, so the year before Brian and Anna got married, Anna told the DC Metro Police that someone threatened to kill her and her friends. Now, many reports allege that this person that she was referring to was Brian, but apparently she didn't follow through with the charges and never named the person, though she made it seem as though it was the person that she was dating, which would have been Brian for six years at that point. Four months later, they were married. There's also a lot of discussions going around about an edited Instagram caption from 2018. We're covering all the bases. Yeah. The photo is on Anna's page, and it's a picture of her sitting on a couch with a busted-up eyebrow. The original caption is currently unknown, but it was changed months later while her husband was in court for art fraud to read, quote, Mild concussion, bruised hip, and a cut. Hashtag vulnerability. So some speculate that he was the one to hurt her and that she changed her caption to make it seem like it wasn't him. 
But we're not really sure why she would put domestic abuse on her Instagram. So this is pure speculation of what this could mean. Yeah, again, we're just bringing everything up so we can talk about everything that's out there for those who have read certain things and are wondering about them. I think people do just think that maybe she changed it from something else, but I can't imagine what it would have been. Like, it's not like she's going to be like, Brian, punch me today on her Instagram. You know what right, I mean? Right, yeah. I, I don't see her doing that. So um, I, I don't really know what this could mean, but she got hurt somehow. Yeah, but, you know, interestingly enough, here is what Brian's dad's friend Fred had to say about an incident that he witnessed regarding Brian's violence. He said, quote, I witnessed firsthand what Brian was capable of. I saw Brian attempt to smuggle out antiquities from China. When Brian was confronted, he picked up a stanchion and literally attempted to kill four or five guards that had come to talk to him about his crime. Brian is not only a sociopath, but also a very angry and physically violent person. And this was said back in 2019 in an affidavit regarding the dispute over Brian's father's estate. So this was said well before Anna's disappearance. Right. And really quick, I want to mention something that I meant to mention when we were talking about money. I know a lot of people are probably wondering about life insurance policies taken out on Anna. Uh, I did not find anything online regarding whether she had one taken out on her by Brian or anything like that. I did. I don't know. This, I don't think anybody knows right now. Right. And this may be something that comes to light as you know more information comes out about the investigation. Totally. I'm actually surprised that I couldn't find anything on it yet because I feel like that's always uh, a motive that comes up, especially when we're talking about husband and wife, but I did not see anything. Yeah. And it seems like something, you know, obviously just judging from what we already know, it seems like something Brian would probably gun for. He's a con man. Right. So now that we've heard all different kinds of accounts on Brian's behavior, what's up with Brian's, by the way? No offense if your name is Brian. Oh, yeah. We've been talking about a lot of Brian's. Well, I think just... I, I know some really good Brian's, so all you good Brian's yeah. out there, uh, good on you. For those who don't know, Brian Laundry, uh, Brian Koberger, Brian Walsh, it's just a lot. So let's finally get to what this whole story is about. What happened to Anna? 39-year-old Anna Walsh was last seen on January 1st, 2023, New Year's Day. She spent New Year's Eve at home in Cohasset, hosting a dinner with her 46-year-old husband, Brian, and her friend, Jem. I want to say some reports say he's 47, but most say that his birthday is in August of 1976, which would make him 46, so I'm going with 46. So according to Jim, Anna and Brian went to bed just after he left around 1 or 1.30 a.m. Anna had an apparent and sudden work emergency, so it was known at this dinner that she needed to leave for Washington, D.C. hours later to deal with whatever it is that was going on. After she was reported missing, Brian told police that Anna got ready to leave, you know, the morning of the 1st, and kissed him goodbye before he went back to sleep. She was to take a rideshare, so an Uber or a Lyft, to the Boston airport between 6 and 7 a.m., so about six hours after her friend left, maybe five. As you've probably realized thus far, it doesn't feel like we can really trust what Brian says, but Anna was not seen after this, and it's been reported that she never ended up taking a car to the airport, nor did she make her flight to D.C. that morning that she had already booked in advance, by the way. 
That afternoon on January 1st at around 3 p.m., a babysitter arrived to watch Anna and Brian's three very young sons, and Brian told her that he was going to go get some groceries. Later, he explained to police that he went to his mom's house in Swampscott at about 4 p.m., and Swampscott is roughly an hour and a half drive from Cohasset, and he spent some time with her there. It should be noted that Brian did not have his cell phone with him during this time. And after being at his mom's house for apparently just 15 minutes, he said that he left to go to Whole Foods and CVS, which is CVS is a drugstore in the U.S. for those who don't know, to run errands for his mom. But during this time that he was allegedly running these errands, he also told police that he got lost for like 30 minutes. So I would just be interested to know how well he knew Swampscott and that general area because his mom and his dad, when he was alive four years, four, almost five years ago, had lived in Swampscott for a long time. So they had been living there for many years and she still lives there right now. And I read in his dad's obituary that the dad is from Virginia, but that he moved to Boston very early in his career. So although we don't know right now where Brian grew up, it seems like it was likely Boston and Swampscott is just outside of it. So it's interesting that he claims he got lost when he likely knew this area quite well. That's weird to me. And you don't have your phone. So you're just missing. You're just somewhere doing God knows what getting lost. Yeah, but the, you know, the really interesting thing here is that he placed himself in Swampscott at two different stores. So if he said, oh, I went to Whole Foods, I went to CVS, they're going to go and they're going to look for you on security footage. As we shall get into. So, well, after running these supposed errands for his mom, he returned to Cohasset at around 8 p.m. that same night. So roughly five hours after leaving. But here's where things get really interesting. The day after this, on January 2nd, 2023, Anna's phone pinged for the last time in the area of their Cohasset home. And it had actually been pinging there both on the first and on the second. Two days, which Brian says that Anna wasn't home because she had left to go to DC. So why was her phone pinging at the house? Well, on January 2nd, Brian told investigators that he took one of his sons for ice cream or a smoothie at Press Juice Bar in Norwell, which is about a 15-minute drive from their house. It doesn't really matter, but all the reports say they got ice cream, and I looked at the menu. There's no ice cream. This is like a health, This is like a juice bar. So I saw some reports say smoothie, too. We'll go with that. We'll go with that. Well, Brian said that this is all he did that day in public, meaning that he hadn't gone anywhere else. And investigators were able to confirm that this smoothie trip did indeed take place. However, according to surveillance footage caught at a Home Depot in Rockland, Massachusetts, about a 30-minute drive from their home, Brian Wall shopped that day and spent nearly $500 on cleaning supplies, including gloves, mops, a bucket, tarps, and various kinds of tape. And he also paid in cash. Heath and I are major sufferers of seasonal allergies. They are the worst. It can even be difficult to host this show when our noses are all clogged up. We have tried brand after brand, but luckily, for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies... 
we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. And big shout out to Claritin for supporting this show and providing us with samples. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. I feel like I sneeze all day long. I always have an itchy face, but now I can actually go outside in the grass and not have a sneeze attack or be stuffed up thanks to Claritin D. Are you ready to live as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so that you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Sometimes Daphne and I are doing research for Going West, and we subscribe to different newspapers from all around the country, and then we forget to unsubscribe. But that's exactly why we love Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. You'll be able to see all of your subscriptions in one place, and if you see something you don't like, Rocket Money can help you cancel it in just a few taps. It is seriously that easy. And that's why Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things that you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash going west. That's rocketmoney.com slash going west. rocketmoney.com slash going west. As true crime listeners, you're aware of the dangers out there in the world. So why not keep your home as safe and secure as possible? Daphne and I do this by using Simply Safe. For award-winning security and peace of mind wherever your summer plans take you. When we get ready for our summer trips this year, I will feel so much better about leaving the house knowing that Simply Safe has our back, just freeing me from my constant anxieties. And also something I love is that their system blankets your entire home in protection from break-ins to fires to floods. And with indoor and outdoor cameras to choose from, you will feel safe any time of day or night. And Simply Safe is backed by 24-7 professional monitoring agents to help stop crimes in real time. Which is part of why they were named the best home security system of 2024. Simply Safe has given us and so many listeners real peace of mind, and we want you to have it too. Right now, get 20% off of any new Simply Safe system with Fast Protect Monitoring at simplysafe.com slash going west. There's no safe like Simply Safe. I know all of you guys love listening to thrilling stories, so why not check out some thriller audiobooks on Audible? That is all I've been doing lately when I'm cooking, cleaning, or driving, because Audible includes an incredible selection of audiobooks across every genre. And they have thousands of podcasts from popular favorites like ours that you guys can listen to. As an Audible member, you can choose one title a month to keep from their entire catalog, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. And on top of that, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. With Audible, the time is now more than ever to embrace the breathtaking, sinister, and shocking tales that have enthralled you. 
especially with brand new exclusive thrillers from best-selling authors who are guaranteed to keep you gripped. And I am very much gripped in the audiobook that I'm listening to now on Audible of The Drowning Woman. It is so good. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash going west or text going west to 500-500. That's audible.com slash going west or text going west to 500-500. We know you guys love a good mystery, especially one with twists and turns. Am I right? This is why you guys are going to love June's journey. Step into the role of June Parker while she tries to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder in the roaring 1920s. In this hidden object mystery game, put your detective skills to the test. While you're on this quest to uncover a scandalous hidden family secret, you can customize your very own luxurious estate island and let your imagination run wild. Daphne and I actually love to play this game together because you can chat with and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. You'll even get the chance to play in a detective league to put your skills to the test. It is truly so much fun. You guys are going to love it. So what do you think? Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Before that quick break, we told you guys that Brian had purchased a slew of suspicious supplies from Home Depot on the day he supposedly did nothing but go for a smoothie with his son and he paid in cash. This was on January 2nd, the day after his wife Anna was last seen. And although Anna and Brian were apparently in the habit of speaking every day, even when she was out of town, especially so she could talk to her kids, she did not make contact at all after apparently leaving for D.C. Though remember, there's no trace of her leaving for D.C. and she did not get on her flight. Two days later, so three days after Anna was last seen, her employer in D.C. called the police because she hadn't shown up for work in days and didn't call or reply to calls or emails either. Anna's last Instagram post is from December 31st, and it's of a quote that says, Take the risk of optimism. Before that, she posted one week earlier on December 23rd with a photo of her wearing a Washington Capitals hockey jersey at the game with the caption, officially a fan. The post before that was five days earlier on December 18th, and it was a video of four different cute like baby boy outfits with the caption, the Walsh boys' first outfits get a special frame. And in the video, you can kind of see like different frame options. So it appears that she was in the process of framing these outfits. The post before that was from the day before this on December 17th. And it's a five photo post of her and one of her sons with the caption reading, Baby B turns two today. Like it was yesterday. We were on the way to MGH which is the Massachusetts General Hospital, during a snowstorm in Boston. A few hours later, Baby B came at 10 and a half pounds and fully blonde to our surprise. Grateful for this recessive gene in his golden locks. Happy birthday, son. I love you. So basically, she posts on Instagram very frequently, like usually at least twice a week. And most of her photos are of her family, her kids, her travels, food, and her coworkers. And her Instagram bio reads, 
confident, generous, loving leader, serving those who lead. So at this point in time, she has po- she, she last posted almost exactly two weeks ago to Instagram. Yeah, which means that it's obviously suspicious that she hadn't posted anything else to her Instagram after having posted about, you know, two times a week yeah. in the past. And her phone is not pinging. She's not spending money. She's not talking to her family, etc. Right. So according to Brian's attorney, before Anna's employer called to report her missing, Brian had called them to ask if they knew where she was. And this is what prompted them to report her missing. Thus, Cohasset police arrived to the Walsh home for a welfare check. And that's when they spoke to Brian for the first time, and he explained the past few days. So after not hearing from her for three days, he wasn't even the one to officially report his wife missing. The next day, January 5th, the Cohasset police officially announced that 39-year-old Anna Walsh was missing and asked the public to come forward if they had any information regarding her whereabouts. The next day, on January 6th, police launched their first official search for her in the wooded areas of her home with rescue teams and canines. And that search continued into the next day as police searched for her on the ground and also determined that Brian had lied about going to Whole Foods and CVS the day that Anna went missing. Remember I said, they're gonna go look at that security footage. But basically, he was unable to provide receipts, and he was not captured on surveillance footage for either store that day. Which means he didn't go to them, but he told police he did. Exactly. Why else would you do that? Liar. So because he flat out lied to them, the next day, on Sunday, January 8th, Brian was arrested and charged with misleading a police investigation insane development of this whole story because after he was arrested so much more information came out which we're going to get into in a second but first i want to mention something weird that happened the same day that the official investigation began which was on uh, january 6th so on january 6th a fire broke out at the walsh's former house in cohasset that they sold back in march of 2022 but this did seem to be some kind of like odd coincidence that occurred naturally due to damaged piping that was connected to a natural gas fireplace insert so at first people are like does is evidence being covered is this connected but it just seemed like a total weird coincidence yeah so strange yeah so after brian's arrest like i said is when a lot of other suspicious information came out like his involvement in art fraud the home depot trip etc well on monday january 9th the day after brian was arraigned in court and he pleaded not guilty in regards to misleading the police even though he's literally caught in multiple lies But considering he told them that Anna had taken a rideshare when she hadn't and all the other lies, police felt that this really delayed their investigation. But even more disturbing were the details that were about to come up as police obtained a search warrant for their Cohasset home. Because inside, they found blood in the basement along with a bloody and broken knife. In addition to this horrific discovery, police also scraped Brian's internet searches and they found that he had looked up how to dispose of a 115 pound woman's body and how to dismember a body. I mean, it almost feels like enough that they found this blood in the basement and a bloody broken knife, but then to 
I mean, it's Come always, on. it's always so interesting when these idiots search up like how to dismember a body. Are, like, like literally, are you dumb? Yeah, are you a stupid person because you think that they're not gonna check your internet history? Bro? I mean, and that's so specific—a 115-pound woman's body, like. Wow, that is like, that's just... To a T! Like, it's almost like you want to get caught. Yeah. Crazy, crazy, crazy. So, obviously, this was just sickening and incredibly suspicious. So, police moved their search to a trash transfer station in Peabody, which is an hour's drive away from their Cohasset home, just hoping to find any trash that has uh, that had previously been at the Walsh home. And after pouring over surveillance footage around Swampscott and finding Brian near a dumpster on January 1st, the day he got lost, going to Whole Foods and CVS where he didn't even go, crime scene tape was put around said dumpsters in an apartment complex near Brian's mom's house in Swampscott. So if they found anything in there and in the transfer station, which it seems they may have, it has not yet been reported what those items were, but it's known that the state is currently processing and testing a number of items, which most certainly includes the blood found in the basement. I mean, it definitely yeah, does. Yeah, it has to be, yeah. Also, I will say, um, as we do know, I, we don't know everything that was found in the Peabody trash, but we do know some of it that was found. Apparently, they did find a hatchet, a hacksaw, a rug, cleaning supplies, and bloody towels in the Peabody trash facility, and it's believed to be connected to this case, but there are waiting DNA evidence. Yeah, so we are waiting for that as well, because hopefully that comes back soon and will give us very clear answers. Those are some terrifying things to find. Yes. So as we mentioned earlier, Brian was on some sort of probation, and many of the trips that he made after Anna went missing had not been approved beforehand which is a direct violation of the terms of his probation. So right now, other interesting information is coming out, including information from Mike and Mandy Silva, who are former tenants of the Walshes, since the Walshes have purchased, rented, and owned many other properties over the years, and have known them for eight years. Mandy said just this week, quote, over time within the last six months, things started to get really strange with the Walshes. Anna was selling all of her assets in the Boston area, including our unit, that they were in a rush to sell. Why are you in such a rush to sell our unit? It doesn't make sense. This was very out of character for them. Mike added, quote, they never stayed at a property for more than a year. So I figured maybe they're running from something or hiding from something. I mean, she sold all her properties and walked away with a lot of money. I mean, especially since she's in real estate, I think they're just trying to flip or make a profit on houses, which is very common. So my mind doesn't go to them hiding or running. Yeah, yeah, mine either. Yeah, they're probably just trying to make some money. I think the most intriguing part is that she seemed to be in a rush to sell, if that is even true. Like, it, that just makes me wonder if she was trying to make money on her own so she could potentially leave Brian and bring the kids to D.C. like she told her friend she wanted to do. Right. But that is total speculation. I don't know how on par that is. But also, is something interesting. Mike had texted both Anna and Brian separately to say Happy New Year on uh, January 1st. But Anna, of course, never responded to this text. But Brian did yet not until January 2nd. And his response was, 
Happy New Year. Sorry for the delay. I misplaced my phone and my son just found it. So this makes me wonder if he was kind of planting this seed of losing his phone so that he would have a reason to why he didn't bring his very traceable cell phone with him during his errands on January 1st and January 2nd. Yeah, or uh, I just don't want my phone to ping in certain areas. No, that's what I mean, because yeah. it's so traceable. Like, exactly. this is his way of saying, oh, you know, why didn't you bring your phone? Then, oh, I lost it. Very, exactly. a very convenient thing. Right. So, regarding the blood that was found in the basement of the Walsh home and in the Peabody trash, once they determine whether or not it's Anna's, it would be really big for the case in her potential murder. Now, investigators are currently hoping to collect blood samples from Anna's sons so that they have a direct bloodline sample to be able to compare it and confirm or deny the identity of the DNA. The FBI and Cohasset police are still actively looking for information regarding this case and what happened to Anna Walsh. Brian Walsh is still in custody for misleading investigators and more serious charges are expected soon. The Department of Children and Families confirmed that all three Walsh boys are in their custody at this time. Former Boston U.S. attorney stated, quote, We haven't confirmed 100% what happened to her. We don't have a body. At the end of the day, you're going to want evidence that establishes proof that a certain act occurred and that there's no doubt about that. You want to make sure you get it right. Although the evidence already seems like a lot, it is largely circumstantial, but hopefully police will get answers soon for Anna's family. So if you know anything about what happened to Anna Walsh, please call the Cohasset Police at 781-383-1212. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening to this episode of Going West. Yes, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. And on Tuesday, we'll have an all-new case for you guys to dive into. I just can't believe all of the information that is coming out every day about this case. I stumbled upon it randomly about a week ago. And when my dad was here, we were just talking about it constantly because all this information just keeps coming out and it's looking worse and worse. Yeah. And it's so sad because Honest seems like this truly amazing woman and amazing mother and she had her career and her life seemed so wonderful and now here's her husband being so suspicious and doing all this shit and you're like why yeah i mean it's it's really devastating and thank you to everybody again for sending this case to us Yes, um, I, I didn't put the names because there were so many and yeah. we were, it was already on our, our radar. But thank you for everybody who did want this episode. And please don't forget to share it. Yeah, the biggest thing you can do is help share this case. You never know. Somebody might have some information that might be helpful to the investigation. So please make sure you share with your friends and your family. And thank you guys so much for listening. Yes, we are on social media. We're on Instagram at Going West Podcast, Twitter at Going West Pod. And we're also on Facebook. If you search Going West, there's two different pages. Um, so you can always repost our posts. We're going to put photos of Anna and just any other photos associated with this case. So you guys can see it and share it. Thank you so much. Yeah, hit that discussion group if you want to hear uh, on more. Facebook. Yeah, on Facebook. If you guys want to talk about this case and maybe uh, go through some theories and whatnot, it's a, it's a great place to do that. Totally so agree. thank you guys again. And for everybody out there in the world, don't be a stranger.
This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.